0: The Inside Vegas podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.org is your official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network. And the inside Vegas podcast. NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to get on the action with my bookie. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. If you want to make money during the NFL playoffs, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus and make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming NFL playoff run, including the Super Bowl. You use promo code SGP50 when you deposit to activate the offer. That is promo code SGP50. At mybookie.ag, you play you win and you get paid we're also brought to you by odd shark get free picks from the computer and expert writing staff as well as data-driven editorial content the latest odds for every big game and big fight from all uh, online major sports books betting stats and trends you cannot and will not find anywhere else and as always give them a follow on twitter at odd shark and check them out online at oddshark.com. o-d-d-s shark s-h-a-r-k.com Welcome into the Inside Vegas Podcast. Today is Friday, January 25th, and it's a sad, sad state of affairs out in the sports world right now. It is your annual uh, kind of break before the break, if you will, when it comes to the NFL. NFL on its yearly break hiatus, week by week, really, uh, into the Super Bowl. uh, And you're looking for what? to bet on and how to do it successfully. Uh, Enter Jay Crer, who is um, one of the best college basketball minds that I know in the industry, bar none. Um, So we're going to kind of give you the NCAA regular season version of the primer and to kind of get your, um, you know, everyone always waits for March Madness every single year. And I think that people largely discount the four or so months of NCAA basketball available to bet on. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, one, you know, people don't. It's a, a very large group of teams. It's hard to kind of nail one down and and kind of get your betting off into the right season. I think a lot. I think too many people wait for March Madness when maybe there's much more value in regular season games and certainly in conference tournament time, which is maybe a, definitely a lot more profitable in my mind than the NCAA tournament when there is just such the public turnout. So myself and Jay are going to dig into what you need to know for the regular season side of the 2019 NCAA basketball season, breaking down the top 25 conferences to look out for in which teams are, you know, starting to round into shape for the coming tournament uh, bubble teams, anything and everything to get you ready for what I call gambling winter upcoming after the Super Bowl. Um, and again, as always, please tune in next week. We'll have probably one of you know my favorite uh, episodes of the year the Super Bowl bonanza we will have Monique on will do the $1000 prop challenge that we did last year that was one of our uh, most listened to episodes for sure um is so, as well as some kind of lifestyle guides into if you're coming into town for the Super Bowl where to do where to go everything and everything so Huge episode upcoming next week. But for this week, we get you primed for the 2019 NCAA season to get a leg up. Uh, as again, pretty soon will be the only show in town to bet on uh, besides the NBA and golf and a few other things, UFC. Um, so hope you guys enjoy it. This is Jay Creer. Always um, check him out on social media at Jay Creer. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast to get us through the lull in the National Football League until the Super Bowl, where we'll have Monique on for the prop bowl bonanza as, as we do every year look, we get it. You're, you don't know what to bet. You're maybe not as enthralled in college hoops because it's been on the back burner since, uh, you know, football has taken center stage since the national championship on through the NFL playoffs. Now you're looking for something. Uh, this is your kind of, uh, NCAA basketball, uh, college basketball, regular season betting primer with the one and only Jake out in dare I say cold, frigid, miserable, snowy Denver, Colorado, but I know you love it and call that home, man. So how's everything in your world?
1: It's good, man. It's good. It's um. It actually is super cold. We've had snow.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's <We've>, super cold. <laughs> we've
1: we've we've had snow like almost like it feels like every other day. Um. But yeah, I mean every morning it's wicked cold. In fact, I just had to go out in my garage right now, and I I uh, didn't have shoes on. I, needless to say, I wasn't out there very long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as we look at what this uh, 2019, I guess uh, college basketball season from a regular season perspective, I tweeted this out, um, a a while ago, one of the, it's been a very, and I feel like people say this maybe as a default when maybe things aren't going right or or whatever. But at the end of the day, there's been so many, you know, like I said, like like I tweeted out, there's been so many, one man's, uh, backdoor cover is another man's bad beat and, and vice versa. I totally get that, but there's been so many, um, bad beats or at least against the spread, Lead changes um, in the closing seconds, as there are with any sport, I get that. And there are you know, such a high volume of games, um, but it's been a really unique. I guess it's the word season when it comes to betting college basketball uh, from the start. And again, I, I know a lot of people only really get in the mix during conference championship time. But there are those out there uh, that bet this sport throughout, you know, this is what they look forward to in the way that some people look forward to football. And you're one of these people. I know you do other sports, but this has always been kind of your bread and butter Um, up till this point since the start of the season and basically November, um, you know, do you kind of agree or what is kind of your thought process on on kind of, you know, as a whole um, broad, broad picture aspect of what this season has kind of brought to the table uh, in terms of the NCAA season?
1: (laughs) Well, it's it's been interesting. Um, it's definitely been a unique season. Um, I, I actually was having a conversation with another handicapper the other night, and I said, you know, so, so, some nights I feel like I want my team to come out playing flat basketball because for some reason it feels like every night I'll have a bet that just looks absolutely dead or I'll have a bet that looks absolutely money at halftime. And then I either end up winning that bet miraculously, or I end up losing it uh, in a horrible fashion. Um, but it also is unique in just the standpoint that you know there's a lot of conferences that are absolutely loaded and chalks filled with talent, and then we have some other big conferences um, like the Pac-12, the Big East, that really only, you know, Pac-12 has nobody in the top 25 right now. You know, I, I can't think of many seasons when you got to the early part of conference play and the Pac-12 doesn't have somebody represented in the top 25. Is crazy, but it's at least like the top 15, top 10 in um, the Big East, you know, obviously Nova had kind of a slow start and they've got things kind of going and they've crawled back into the top 25 and you have Marquette. But, you know, outside of that, those two conferences really have down years. And then, you know, the SEC and the ACC, like always, is heavily represented um, in the top 25 or at least in the top 30, 40 teams in the nation. So um, it's sort of an interesting, slightly imbalanced season um, as far as the conferences go as well.
0: Well let's take a look at this. We're gonna break this down. We'll we'll start with the top start with the top twenty five and go from there. Um, and kind of I think there's obviously programs that people are knowing, or people will know. And a lot of them uh, I don't think people, you know, are used to seeing there, uh, seeing them there. When we start at the top uh, number one, Tennessee, look, 16 and one, where did this team kind of come from and kind of how did they, I, I don't, again, I, I do handicap college basketball. Um, I personally did not see this kind of uh, obviously start, but I did not envision this kind of greatness for this Tennessee team. And truthfully, I don't know a lot of people that did. Um, I thought they were going to be for sure better, um, but kind of coming out how they have um, has been kind of absolutely crazy. So let's start there. We'll start with Tennessee and Duke as the one, two. Um, you know I mean Duke look loaded obviously injuries have hurt them Zion talk of of kind of sitting out the season says he's not going to do that Duke is the most talented uh, from a talent perspective bar none but when you look at 1-2 um, where's kind of Tennessee come from um, and what is you know when you talk about the difference between these two teams right one is 16-1 and one and Duke 16-2 and two, so not a ton there um, in terms of win loss yeah, you can make an argument for either side but where's Tennessee kind of come from to being able to overtake probably one of the most talented team from a two freshman perspective since the Cam- and the um, Kentucky uh, of old, you know, the John Wall, the Demarcus Cousins type years, Anthony Davis, um, this ten- this Duke team, I think we're going to look back at when we look at the NBA in a couple of years and think, I realize everyone was one and done. But how did they maybe not win the national championship if they don't? I know they're only going to get one stab at it. So kind of twofold. Where is Tennessee? How has Tennessee gotten to this point? Um, and, you know, who in your mind is the better, better, uh, at least from, a, you know, a, a futures bet. But who is more likely to go all the way in between t- one and two of Tennessee and Duke right now?
1: Well, you know the the thing about Tennessee is um, they've got a lot of juniors and seniors, right? So I mean they're they're sort of not the uh, not the, the new prototypical, yeah, yep. yeah, exactly, yeah. They're they're not you know loaded with freshmen and sophomore. They've got Grant Williams and they've got a lot of guys who have played you know a lot of years. They've started. they kind of have that experience factor. And so I know at the beginning of the year when you were looking at it, SEC you know, Tennessee and Auburn kind of stood out as teams who had a lot of seniors. They had a lot of upperclassmen who were going to come in um, and play a lot of minutes. And, you know, uh, Grant Williams sort of is, has been a pretty great story. I mean, realistic, uh, you know, he has just sort of risen to the occasion. Um, I, I watched a little bit of the game uh, that was on tonight and, you know, he went like Almost 23. Almost per-
0: loss, yeah. I mean, he had I think, yeah. about 40 points at the end of regulation, I think, over that, actually.
1: Yeah. And I think he went like 23 for 23 at the free throw line and reset some NCA record that he like second guy to do it since like 1960 or something crazy like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's just sort of owning um, the position that he's in and leading this team. And uh, it's been pretty impressive, you know, and uh, I mean, I, the SEC again, like it's sort of been the surprise conference for me. I mean, right now you've got, Mississippi, who's just been amazing against the spread, um, LSU, Mississippi State, kind of in the mix, and it really hasn't just been Kentucky running away with maybe one or two teams, kind of um, you know pulling on their tail feathers. It's it is uh, you know there's sort of a lot of teams that are involved, and you know right now I, I kind of feel like that is a conference um, where the conference tournament is just going to be insane, right? And they're, yeah, where they're, there's going to be probably. Tennessee and Kentucky jockeying for one seeds, two seeds, and then you know does a team like Auburn or Mississippi kind of get things together and get hit stride at the end of the season where you know they're maybe um, you know contending for a three or a four seed as well. So you know the SEC could be represented very well um, come tournament time. So if you're not watching SEC basketball outside of Kentucky, um, might want to try and tune into some SEC network as we get going here into February.
0: What do you think the narrative at the end of the season will be for Duke? Because no matter if they're not the one or the two, I'm sorry, no no matter if they're one or two, if they don't win this, this tournament, they don't win national championship. This season has to look like a monumental disappointment. I mean, this is the expectation never been higher with the talent they have. And again, I I know they've had injuries. Looks like those injuries um, will subside when they get to the NCAA tournament uh, initial looks looking like they're not as bad um, around. But is this championship or one of the most disappointing Duke classes of all time?
1: I think it very well will be. I mean, you're talking they've got three lotteries for sure, right? They have three lottery picks for sure with r j. Barrett Zion. um and, and they, you know, they potentially could have, you know, five guys drafted in the first two rounds. So um it I, I think it would be very disappointing. I, you know, i I was looking at future odds last night. I placed a couple of future bets, and i w- I was kind of surprised that Duke wasn't like, plus two plus 300 you know they were like plus 150 which is just insane um you know to kind of put them near the coin flip um category but you know this team is loaded i mean that's why they are where they're at um but you know duke has a tendency to really not show up in their sweet 16 games or not show up in an elite eight game and kind of bow out early and you know they've already got a conference loss um early on and You know, they're going to the ACC is going to do what it normally does, where they kind of cannibalize themselves a little bit. I mean, you have Duke and Virginia who, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably if the tournament started today would both be one seeds. But, you know, you throw Virginia Tech and UNC and even the likes of, you know, Louisville and NC State and Syracuse teams that can go and play well at home, maybe defend some home court against those guys. You know, I I just see the ACC kind of doing what it does every year, sort of cannibalizing itself a little bit, but um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think if they don't win the ACC um, that would be sort of a huge warning sign. Um, But you know, with, with a team like Virginia in the conference, you know, that right now I think they're like 10th in the NCA and three point percentage, Um, you know, Kyle guy is having another amazing season You know, they very well could, you know, not win their own conference, um, which could be interesting uh, come seeding.
0: Yeah, definitely take that off. So let's look at the kind of the rest of the best here, right? Virginia, who it seemingly is covering absolutely everything, right? You have a seventeen and one overall record against the spread at thirteen and three. Virginia under is quickly becoming maybe the new, uh, more known version of the Bradley type of under. Uh, this team, look, they got embarrassed in the NCAA tournament. There's no other way to say it. Um, this team is, you know, kind of come out continuing with what they've done last year in this. You, there is no other team, you know, Bradley kind of it. it <laughs> I kind of want to word this because I feel like a lot of people may not know who Bradley is and Bradley is a type of school that tries to emulate Virginia from a mid-major perspective. They are not well-known um, and they really play the same type of, of style. Uh, but Virginia, obviously being Virginia, has so much more um, star power, name power, so they get kind of that recognition. But it's just such – those are the only two teams that I know of that play that type of um, you know basketball in the country. Um, and for Virginia to have that success at it is absolutely crazy. Um, just to go through the rest of we'll, the at the top ten, we break this down um, for really any free flowing thoughts. You have Virginia, Gonzaga, Michigan at number five. I know we've placed a, a nice feature on that. Got some nice close line value, and again, another against the spread darling this year in Michigan State. Um, you know, to kind of you know lump this three through six group together, um, just because I think there's a little bit of a drop up at, drop off after that. Virginia, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Michigan State. Um, what can kind of people expect out of them? You know, you know, betting on uh, or you know through them during the regular season for those type of teams, again, Virginia, Gonzaga, Michigan and Michigan state holding down the three through six range in the uh, standings right now.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I do have a Michigan future that uh, was one of my like preseason futures. Um, I have them at plus 3,500 and, you know, obviously they've, performed really well. Um, I was sort of kicking myself a little bit for not kind of getting on Michigan state as well early on
0: and not to interrupt you, but they are 14 and four against the spread and against 17 and two overall record. So they are the number one covering team in the country right now. Michigan state and Virginia is at four by the way.
1: Yeah. You know, Michigan state does a lot of things that I really look for, um, in a team, you know, obviously they've got a pretty good coaching. Say guard play, say
0: guard play, say everyone's favorite thing. Guard play.
1: Well, no, realistically, what it is for me is I, I look at three point shooting percentage and team rebounding and they're second in the nation in team rebounding. So they're averaging 43 and a half rebounds per game. Um, they just have really done well on the boards and they're able to shoot the deep ball. And those two sort of intangibles when, they, when you have those together on the same team, you start seeing, you know, 15 and four ATS early on in conference play. Um, like you're talking about and they've, they've played extremely well. I think they're the only undefeated team in the big 10 right now, Michigan right behind them at six and one. So going to be some really awesome games between those two teams as we kind of head down, um, down the big 10 slate. But um, you know, the big 10 to me outside of those two teams has been a little disappointing. Um, You know, I was really high on Indiana um, uh, you know, they've started conference play out at three and five, or I'm sorry, not India, they're three and four, uh, in conference, but, um, you know, and I was kind of expecting a lot from this Maryland recruiting class that everyone was on board with. And, um, you know, again, even though Maryland is, you know, top 15 team in the nation right now and, um, have a seven and two big 10 record, but, you know, I haven't been quite as impressed with them. They seem to really play well, um, in college park, but then when you get them outside in some of these tough uh, big 10 venues, they just don't really seem to play crisp basketball. They seem to make a lot of errors, turn over the ball, that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think Michigan, Michigan state are sort of the class of the big 10 and, you know, there could be a team that maybe uh, sneaks in there. You know, Carson Edwards uh, with Purdue, he's averaging like 24 and a half points a game right now, just having an unbelievable season. So anytime you have a player like that, as long as they remain healthy, I feel like you can pretty much contend in any game that you'll be faced with uh, especially early on in the NCAA tournament.
0: What's um let's talk about this from a maybe a public perspective, right? Gonzaga beats Duke uh early on in the season, experience everything that Gonzaga does. Um yet they're all the way at 4. Um is there reason to—I mean, Gonzaga, look, the book has been out somewhat on Gonzaga for for a while on how to— I don't want to say how to beat them because not a lot of teams can figure it out, but we know who Gonzaga is, and I think they're the, probably the most consistent um, within the top six teams. I mean, some of these teams are going to have variants, um, but you kind of know what you're getting with a team like Gonzaga being— you know. A, a, as as how they are the independent all that type of narrative um in the west coast is this a team to get excited about showing that look this team beat uh probably the the most talented team in the last five to ten years um in duke is is there you know is gonzaga worth worthy of at least being ranked a little bit higher and again i know what tennessee duke and virginia have done but should gonzaga be at least getting a little bit more love uh from a you know national media coverage standpoint
1: (laughs) Well, I I I definitely think so. You know, when I look at the West Coast Conference, um, especially if you compare like the West Coast Conference to the last few years, you know, this isn't the St. Mary's team um, that you're used to seeing out there playing with them. Like, yes, it's a good squad. I think you know they'll probably give them a hell of a game um, when they host at home. But I, you know, there's really not a lot of competition. I mean, you've got San Francisco who's playing pretty good basketball um, with Freddie Ferrari and. You know, but I just don't really see anybody really giving them a tough fight. So when I look at Gonzaga's remaining schedule, it's hard for me to not see 30 wins and like a one or a two seed, you know, it's really tough. I, you know, barring them, maybe, you know, having some weird early exit from their conference tournament. Um, you know, I just, it's hard for me to not think that a team like Gonzaga is going to end up being a two seed or better in the NCAA tournament. And you know, even though obviously we saw a 16 seed win last year, you know, that, that bodes well for them to at least make it um, into the second weekend. And obviously they're going to have even a favorable matchup when they get to that second weekend as well. So um, I sort of feel the same way about Gonzaga that I feel about Nevada as well. I just, the mountain West having another really down year um, outside of Nevada. And when I look at their schedule, you know, especially if you count in, Um, their conference tournament wins that they're probably going to get at least one or two for sure. Um, And then, you know, get to a championship game where they probably play a team like Fresno or UNLV or Utah state. Um, You know, I I just, I don't really see anybody contending and pushing them and them stacking up a bunch of losses in conference. So to me, you know, I think um, like the odds for Gonzaga, I think I was looking last night are like plus six fifties out there, somewhere between like six and 700, um to win the NCAA tournament and then Nevada. Um I, I seriously thought thirty to one currently
0: out. right now for Nevada.
1: Yeah. And I mean I just you know again it, it just Gonzaga seven down. to one at the Westgate by the way. It just boils down to competition uh, of who they're gonna be facing and these teams are gonna stack up an exorbitant amount of wins that I just think that when it comes down to the the seating time, these kids are going to be seated extremely high from both these schools. Um, you know, and it might be a little undeserving with, you know, Nevada having the schedule that they had, um, at least Gonzaga had some tough teams scheduled at a conference, but, um, you know, I just don't see a lot of competition. Whereas some of the other mid majors, um, like Buffalo that's out there, you know, there actually is some pretty decent teams that I think can play with Buffalo and the Mac, like Toledo, um, you know, central Michigan, there's some other squads out there that I, I think will give them a little bit of a tough time in conference, especially on the road. But, um, you know, they're sort of priced efficiently in that aspect. Um, if you're looking at futures, but, um, I can't really think of any mid majors off the top of my head that are, much worthy of talking about. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, let's start there, right? Nevada at seven. As you touched on look, I've kind of been telling anyone that listen, that this, this team is worth the 30 to one, um, at least for nothing else to sell this, uh, during, you know, for prop swap, do do what you need to do to move this ticket. On the secondary market, everyone knows what they did last year. That whole team is returning back from the seventh spot. At um, again, eighteen and one, and a really a fluke loss to New Mexico for Nevada should be undefeated. Kentucky at eight is a, a team that certainly everyone will know. Kansas at nine, Virginia Tech at ten, and we'll lump North Carolina in there at 15 and four, as uh, kind of, you know, that really finishes out the, the blue bloods of the program. Of course, we have Villanova at, at you know, 18 and Louisville at 23. Both of them, kind of, like you said, you know, kind of fallen on a little bit of harder times, at least, um, you know, a down year uh, in terms of their program. But we look at the the last of the top 10, right? Nevada at seven, Kentucky at eight, Kansas at nine, Virginia Tech at 10 and North Carolina at 11. Is this, um, you know, a just, just that a down year for these programs, which is obviously what you know, most programs strive for. Um, but when we look at this, we have Kentucky 15 and three, Kansas, 16 and three, North Carolina, 15 and four, um, you know, out of those teams, is there one that is, you know, maybe catches your eye of the blue bloods that at least you can say, you know, why there is the consistency. They just haven't found it. They're all freshmen as the one and done era continues, uh, or is a team at the 10 spot like Virginia tech with experience, um, much more suitable to make a tournament run.
1: I, I really like UNC, um, j- just from a perspective, again, a team rebounding is a huge thing to me. They're fourth in the nation. Um, and Luke may just has been unbelievable. I mean, he, he, he can do everything, right? I mean, he, he can hit big threes. Um, he, you know, he's averaging like 10 rebounds a game, sort of the the driving force behind that team. He, um, he can post up pretty much on anybody in that conference, um, you know, and I know obviously, you know, he'll give Duke a hell of a game, but um, as sort of a team, you know, that's in a tough conference, but I, 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 just think UNC, you know, they had the big win against Virginia tech where they just kind of dominated against the team and Virginia tech shot like something crazy, like 75% from three, yeah, in the yeah, first I think it was half.
0: 83 to like 15% that made for a very nice second half or, or live bet on <laughs> UNC that I think we both took a hold of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I mean, I just I I see UNC kind of doing that to the NC States and the Louisvilles of the world, especially at home Um, and and probably between Virginia and Duke. You know, I think they'll find a way to to carve out, you know, a home win against one of those teams, at least. Um, So, you know, I I just I like UNC uh, sort of out of that group. Um, Nova is a team in the Big East. You know, I know St. John's has played well. Um But really, if you, especially if you look at the Big East right now, Marquette and Nova are kind of on an island already in the standings within the conference. I mean, St. John's already has four losses in conference. Nova's undefeated. So um I just think Nova's going to have a really, really nice uh, position in that Big East tournament where they probably don't have to see Marquette until the championship game. Um They probably avoid St. John's. Uh, I'm assuming they might. You know probably will end up being the three seed in that in that conference as well. So you know, between St. John's and Marquette, maybe they only have to see one of them. Um, but i I just kind of like where Nova Falls and you know, really playing all around good team basketball. Um, you know, they lost a ton of kids uh, from the team that won the national title last season. but um you know, all of a sudden, they just seem to have that moxie that I kind of look for in a team. So that was a future actually that I placed um, just yesterday. Um, I got them at 35 to one for the national title. And I, I think, you know, beginning of the year, their odds were not very good for a team that lost a ton of pieces. Um, so I, I avoided them early on and, you know, they had some serious letdowns out of conference, but starting strong in the big East. And like I said, not a ton of great competition. I know Butler and Xavier, are good programs. Um, there's some teams in the big East that are always a little bit dangerous, but, um, I think Nova will rise to the top um, and will inevitably end up being the best ranked team in the big East.
0: Yeah, so as we look at the rest, look, Maryland, or um, so as we start at 12 with Marquette, um, again, not going to ask you to talk about each of these teams who'd we'll be here all night, but Marquette, look, Maryland, uh, post the Melo Trimble era, um, God bless, I feel really bad for that kid sitting in the G League right now after being taught, you know, that type of, you know, leaving as a junior, I really feel for him, but Maryland um, really came back without him at 16 and 4, Texas Tech 15 and 4, Buffalo 17 and 2, out of the MAC. Auburn, we touched on at 13 and five, I think 17 and 18 here make a lot of sense to at least talk about for a little bit. And that's Houston. And really, I mean, uh, you know, essentially could have been undefeated, um, barring a last second, you know, call with referees against, um, who's Texas, uh, not Texas tech, who was it, um, in their game, they could have, um, essentially been 19 and zero in this spot right now for Houston and Villanova, which I don't think a lot of people are used to having, um, you know, seeing Villanova with a, you know, a 15 and four record, it's a little bit low for them. I know you've touched on Villanova a little bit, but what has been the kind of the issue with Villanova at the beginning of the season? Um, and what have you seen out of Houston? Again, feel free to talk about anyone of the Marquette, Maryland, Texas tech, Buffalo, Auburn, Houston, as we break down, uh, basically that's at the top, the top 20.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, so Houston was that game was at temple. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that like, you're, you're very like, you're on the ball there. Like they, very well could be undefeated at this point. If, uh, if a ref just sees, um, you know, sort of what I think everyone else saw. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but no, I mean, you know, Houston, I do think that the American, um, the American athletic conference has got some pretty decent teams, you know, temples, a decent team, central Florida, I think, um, will be a name that will be out there and, you know, will give some teams fits, especially down in Orlando. Um, but, You know, Houston is sort of, I guess, the darling, right, of the American right now. Yep. Um, I think they've even ripped off like four or five in a row again um, since that game. Uh, You know, so, you know, outside of that Temple game, you know, they played extremely well. I do think that there are, you know, like I said, UCF, Cincinnati, Temple, there's some teams who probably will give them a few lumps. Right. So I, I, I would hate to say that Houston's going to run away with the American because I could see a wild card team, maybe winning that conference like UCF or something. Um, so I, I am, I'm not really, it's not really a team I'm running to the window to bet on, but again, a team that rebounds really well, 13th in the nation. Um, and that's just something that I'm always looking at, um, is for that team atmosphere, sort of a team that sort of harvests, um, you know, that atmosphere and, and Villanova uh, to go on them. I mean, they, at you know, beginning of the year, they just looked really sloppy. Um, a lot of turnovers, poor ball control. It, you know, I think everyone was really, um, was really expecting a lot out of Pascal and like, you know, that he was just going to come in and be this amazing senior who, you know, has won two titles. Um, and, and he just I, I think at the beginning of the season he wasn't really embracing that leadership role and uh I watched the game with him uh on Tuesday night and man he just he looked like a leader to me and he just looked really strong and I to me that was sort of like man let me look at the odds you know and I was yep. like wow like I really like the position they're in in the big east I really like the way this team is playing you know starting out like 5 and 0 in conference they might be 6 and 0 um but you know just really like the position that they're in. Um, and then, uh, there was another team you just mentioned, uh, Texas tech, um, obviously really sound defensive team. Um, they're playing good basketball as well. And the big 12 is interesting. And it's one we really haven't touched on, but, um, you know, really out, I, I think everyone just every year is kind of like, well, you know, Kansas will be in the title game and, they've won, you know, what is it? Something ridiculous, like eight out of nine or something or nine out of 10 in a row in the Big 12. But um, I do think, you know, between Iowa State, Kansas State, all of a sudden is playing much better basketball. Um, You know, I think Texas Tech might be a team that could potentially contend in the Big 12. And, you know, even if Kansas does inevitably end up winning the Big 12 and probably getting a one or a two seed, I think there's going to be a slot for, either an Iowa state team that gets hot at the end of the regular season or a Texas tech team to probably be in that three seed conversation. So, um, you know, kind of keep an eye out on those two teams. Um, you know, especially as we kind of wind down in big 12 and where they're at, um, you know, cause Jalen Fisher out for the remainder of the year and actually leaving the program. Um, you know, I think TCU at the beginning of the year was definitely a team I was looking at that I thought was going to be super competitive. And I think for the most part, you can kind of count them out on making any real big noise in the big 12 without Jalen Fisher. But, um, you know, just sort of a, a, lot of teams who haven't been overly impressive between like Oklahoma and Texas, especially Oklahoma. I think they started out like one in four in conference or something. Yeah. So, um, so going to be, going to be interesting, but, uh, you know, the big 12, is sort of one of those conferences that might not be as uh, easy to, you know, it's not just Kansas who's just going to march through. I do have a future on them at the beginning of the year, and um, they've been uh, a little disappointing uh, up to this point, at least compared to what I was hoping to see. But uh, again, you know, they're they're going to be in the conversation. But I think there, I think there could be some opportunity in the Big Twelve to maybe end up getting. A three-seeded team if you wanted to have a future on.
0: Yeah, for sure. When you look at the Big 12, right, at first glance, you look at the standings, right? Kansas, K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State. I mean, outside of Baylor, K-State, who could you know make a case for top 25 teams. So it, it's much more, I don't want to say loaded, but it's much more deep than it looks at first glance. Um, for sure. And so, you know, Kansas obviously having a little bit of a down year by, by their standards. Um, and again, Oklahoma, you touched on the third best covering team against the spread, um, this season at 13, three and one is, you know, crazy for for kind of what this team has done um i want to touch on one conference one last conference as we kind of broke down through the top 20 the i mean there's we touched on kind of the rest of the, the 20 through 25 as well with iowa state in there so there's not really and unless you feel strongly that a 20 uh 20 through 25 team can make a run here um the Pac 12 man let, let's talk about this i think that when people you know maybe it, they like to lighten things to what they know, right? And they know football and, and what they've seen out of the Pac-12 is awful in bowl games. Uh, and this year, this Pac-12 team, look, a um, little bit of a vendetta, I will say that, for what this Arizona team uh, did to me and what I thought they were capable of in last year's tournament with everything that they had with Aiden and everybody else. I thought that this team was primed to kind of break through the ceiling that Arizona has not been able to escape. Um this pac 12 conference uh, let's let's just call it how it is is it as bad ads as it looks no one in the top 25 Arizona, I would say probably the best team, but if, when you look at this, conference play. Washington five and zero. Arizona five and one. Arizona State. When you look at their win loss again, Washington, Arizona, and Arizona State one through three. Um, I mean, you can go down Oregon State, UCLA, USC, Utah, Oregon, Stanford. Is there anything worth talking about um, in terms of you know buying um, a team in this Pac twelve, or is it just a complete stay away from a divisional standpoint? Despite the fact that one of this one of these teams are at least going to get an automatic bid
1: yeah i i you know obviously washington has sort of been the impressive team you know they, they've started out conference play five and zero. Oh, um they have the best record out of all these schools at 14 and four um not at all the team that i thought we would be looking at as the as the <laughs> the top seed in the Pac 12 um i will tell you that i did fire a like half a unit at um an arizona future for the national title but i again, I, I'm just kind of looking at the value in them where really it's just such a down year. I mean, even a program like Utah that I thought, um, you know, might actually kind of have some pieces in place to, you know, sort of have a decent squad this year, maybe the PAC 12s down, which it has been. Um, but uh, you know, they're nine and eight, they've just been, they they pretty much were awful, you know, outside of conference. And, not really, you know, having that impeccable record at home. I think they're like seven and two at home or something, but you know, that that's a team that just always plays well at elevation. They always do well and they haven't done very well. Um, but you know, I, Arizona, Arizona state and Washington, I think are sort of the class of the pac 12. And I just have a feeling, you know, you're going to see probably only one of these teams slip into the top 25. And I guess I, I just felt like, you know, Arizona, you know, plus 15,000 for the national title might, <laughs> yeah. have, might have a little bit of a ring to it because like you said, um, you know, we're going to see one of these teams for sure get in. I think it'll probably somehow, some way, just with the bottom feeding teams like Cal and Washington State and Colorado and Stanford, as bad as Colorado has looked down occasions, um, especially on the road. I, I just see a lot of wins coming for those teams. And I, I think, you know, you're going to probably have A team like Washington, you know, is going to end up winning 26, 27 games, maybe be in the top 25 at the end of the year, and it'll be really hard if they, you know, make it to a championship game, don't win to Arizona or Arizona State, and then, you know, it'll be hard to keep them out of the tournament, especially, you know, just being a sort of a a program that is going to be up against probably like a mid-major, and you always see, you know, I think about it like the last few years of the NCAA tournament, like, UCLA gets in when they shouldn't have got in. Um, I think Washington was one of a team that got in one year when they shouldn't have got in um, Colorado has been in a lot of tiebreak situations. I think they're, they've, they've gotten in, in some attorneys, they probably shouldn't have, and then got snubbed a couple times, but you know, it, those, the PAC 12 schools sort of have that name value. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a pretty much an abysmal season. I mean, um Cheatham's having a great year um, at Arizona State, and I think they'll probably be in the conversation. So, uh, you know, there's the Pac 12 after dark has not been <laughs> near, nearly as entertaining to me this season. Uh, usually, like the Pac 12 and the Mountain West are two conferences I really hone in on, especially, you know, being up late out here on the, you know, out in mountain time for me and West Coast for you. But, yep. um, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's hard, you know, to not like because I'm awake and the game's on TV and it's like, oh, I want to bet on these games. So those are two conferences I really hone in on and they've just been awful, just mm-hmm. been terrible. So um, it, it's been kind of hard, but um, to really kind of fall in love with some of these some of these schools that I'm used to betting on late at night. But
0: For sure, man. So as we look at this, like I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything here, but when we look outside the top 25, right? Is there, again, I know how early this is. This is January, uh, and we're trying to predict March where a million things can happen here. But is there a team um that is, you know, I don't want to say well outside, but at least up, outside the top 25 to, you know, that it's looking at a, you know, probable um tournament invite that you think makes some sense, you know, as the, the Loyola of last year and aside what a down season Loyola is having after that miracle. Um, But is there, you know, any types of schools, whether it be a mid-major, anything that you've kind of you know doing this as as often and time-consuming as you have a couple of different schools that you know at least um, you're seeing the the traits, whether it be whatever you look at, like you said, rebound and guard play, all that type of stuff, three points um, that you know maybe aren't on the let's say the general public's radar, um, but for you know maybe the the quote-unquote Cinderella that makes some sense um, to at least invest in from a, a future standpoint, being you know, maybe they have some work to do to get that bid, um, but any schools kind of outside the top 20. 25, whether it be 30 to 40 or, or whatever, um, that makes some senses that are could, could probably, or not say probably, but possibly make some noise um, come my time.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think I kind of showed my hand on it earlier, but, um, you know, I just a team like Purdue with Carson Edwards, I think, um, you know, and they honestly, depending on, I don't know if coaches have them in the top 25 or not, but, um, I was just kind of looking at a top 25 here and just trying to kind of think of a team that um, I do really, really like, but you know, Purdue um, I, I think is a team that can make some noise. I've been pretty impressed with Kansas state lately. All of a sudden they, um yes, be- big, win yesterday. Be- mm-hmm. Yeah. Beginning of the year, just um, again, the kind of that team chemistry thing that you just weren't really seeing. Um, I, I, I think they were a team. I was probably a little bit higher on going into the season. Um, and then Instantly was kind of like, wow, I was wrong on that team and just kind of wrote him off a little bit. But all of a sudden, um, they are playing very good basketball. Um, and like I said, you know, it just maybe like a team like in the Pac-12, like Washington or Arizona that, you know, may kind of get hot and kind of get in the conversation. Um, but from a mid-major standpoint, outside of uh, Gonzaga, Nevada, Buffalo, Houston it's really hard for me to kind of have a mid major that I'm just like falling in love with. Um, there, there's some programs I like, you know, that are especially been a lot of fun to bet on like San Francisco, um, Hofstra, you know, a couple of these schools, but, um, you know, realistically, I think, you know, to make any type of noise, you know, maybe you see some of those teams get in the tournament and then maybe, you know, maybe win one game, but I don't think it'll be a team that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not anticipating any big runs from anybody, Um, at this time. But yeah, I just, uh, you know, with a guy like Carson Edwards, I feel like a team like Purdue um, could sort of contend and compete with anybody on a neutral court in the nation on any given day. Um, It's just, you know, whether or not that team can stay out of foul trouble, rebound the ball well enough to sort of get him possessions late in the game so he can, um, you know, make big shots, which is what that kid seems to do. So, um, you know, again, just another team that's starting to heat up a little bit that I'm Definitely got on my radar, probably Purdue and Kansas State, probably the two at the top right now.
0: As we kind of, you know, transition this from, you know, what potentially could happen, I want to kind of bring this back to what is happening, right? Because the regular season in NCAA basketball is the, I mean, I don't know if there's two more distinct uh, versions of each other than the NCAA tournament a single elimination tournament uh, which can erase a body of work in the regular season that is second to none so um, I I guess as we transition this thought process into kind of you know uh, big picture outlooks here for this regular season um, I'm just going to break down kind of the best of the best in terms of against the spread standings here um, and just kind of you know your philosophy when it comes to regular season college basketball uh, handicapping instead of the NCAA tournament where it's you know I I, I mean I get it like everyone is kind of judged on how they do in the tournament And kind of discounts the last four months of handicapping, which, you know, maybe is right, maybe isn't. I I lean towards the isn't. Uh, But that being said, there's four to you know five months of basketball being played here that maybe people aren't being you know aren't paying attention to. Uh, Michigan State again leading the way, uh, best of the ATS record in the country 14 and 4. A team you may not consider here, Detroit 14 and 5, Oklahoma 13 and 3, Virginia 13 and 3, Ole Miss 12 and 3, Bowling Green 12 and 3, Villanova, which says a lot is kind of how the market maybe has overreacted to how they've been at 12 and 6, South Florida, Hofstra, Drake, Santa Clara, Iowa State, UNC, Um, and I'll kind of stop there and just, um, you know, get your kind of big picture outlook on how you handicap the regular season college basketball. That's different than, and kind of, you know, what people should look out for in the NCAA regular season instead of the tournament.
1: Um, well, I, you know, one, one thing for me, like I, I, you know, the NCAA tournament's fun. I, I, I always go out to Vegas every year, as you know. Um, but you know, I always go out there for the, for the tournament just because it's so much fun. Cinderella stories, all that good stuff. But the conference tournaments really, you know, the, the I'm end told of
0: anyone that will listen, that that is maybe a better weekend to be in Vegas than the, than March Madness.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, definitely. I, I, I think is a better time to be more lucrative. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, the last like three seasons in particular, I, the, those are probably been some of the most profitable weekends that I've had, um, for the entire season have come out of conference championships, because you there's so much statistical data that you can look at, um, you know, as far as like, Hey, like these teams played twice, most teams played twice going in. So if they're, if they're playing in their conference tournament, depending on which conference they're in, there's a high probability. This is the third time these teams will be on the same court together. Um, so there's a lot of data you can look at sort of give yourself an advantage. So, you know, I, if anything, really, dive into the to what's re, what the remainder of conference play is and and you know, look at how important some of these games are. You know, if you've got you know teams matching up like like the SEC, for instance, like Auburn, Mississippi State, those are some teams that drop some early early games in conference but are having phenomenal seasons and they've got phenomenal teams. Um, you know, when those two teams play each other, like that's going to be like a do or die scenario for those schools, knowing that if they lose that game, They're going to end up being like a six or a seven seed going into the SEC tournament where, you know, they're probably going to have to face the likes of Kentucky to start the tournament. So, um, you know, it's there's a lot of jockeying within the conference, getting ready for conference tournament. And, you know, some of these smaller programs that, you know, weren't really in the conversation Um, you know, for an NCAA tournament bid at the beginning of the year or to be in the national title conversation, but they're having good seasons, like just really focus on those teams and sort of where they're at, because, um, you know, so many, some of those games are just so big within the conference headed down the stretch, Uh, like Michigan, Michigan state, just think about that game right now. I mean, that is essentially going to probably be almost like, you know, a play in the, like the end of the end of the year, that last regular season game is going to be a play in game probably for the one seed in the conference tournament. So, you know, it's teams jockeying for positions and really just paying attention to how they're playing or how they're matching up. If this team's dominating on the boards or these guys really contend the three well, and this is what, you know, a team like Virginia does, right. They shoot well from three, but if they go up against a team that has a good defense, good defensive efficiency against three point shot, you know, that could give them troubles, you know, within the ACC. So just kind of paying attention to those things and, and then, you know, really, when those teams play, whatever matchups you end up getting for the third time, I just think it's a really big opportunity to do well. Um, and then as soon as those conference tournaments are done, wipe out everything that you know about those teams, <laughs> because um, it, one a common mistake that a lot of bettors will make is, oh, you know, oh, this team ended up winning the Pac-12. They weren't even ranked. Oh, they're so good. They're going to be this year's Cinderella. That team usually gets knocked out in the first round. It just, it just sort of um it seems to be the way that it works. Um, you know, but conference tournaments to me, that's like kind of the funnest time of the year. I'm actually going out on Saturday, um, of championship Sunday, selection Sunday. So I'll be out there for those two days and then I'm just gonna stay through the following weekend. So Love uh, I'll be in I'll be in your neck of the woods for yep. a
0: full we'll week. We'll have some fun, buddy. <laughs> but when you look at this right big picture and I'm going to use teams that have you know headlines for at least 17 games right worst of the worst uh Marshall 5 and 12 Indiana 5 and 11 I'm just going to kind of go off of maybe notable teams USC 5 and 10 NC State 5 and 10 Utah 5 and 9 URI Rhode Island 5 and 9 um as we kind of go up here Virginia Tech uh 5 and 7 again all of these against the spread here there's um you know, you know, pull out a probably a couple more that I think are a little bit of you know value at least here. Do you kind of buy in into the idea um, that you can maybe buy and sell? Because I, I do know handicappers that do this that buy and sell teams on the long term NCAA. They you know they they'll for sure look at the line. And again, there's much to be said about smaller schools and all that stuff. But as we are talking about kind of the Division One program as you kind of wrap this whole thing up, um, when it comes to regular season, are there teams that you look to kind of? you know, look for a reason to not fade every night. And on the flip side, look to buy every night, you know, depending on what the market is doing. And again, when you look at like a team at Villanova, um, at 12 and six ATS, yet they're deemed to kind of be struggling at 15 and four. I mean, the whole version of, of why the spread was put in is that's the market uh, prediction. If they cover the spread in theory, they're outperforming their market expectation. Um, so there's a lot of teams on here when you, when you pull up the, you know, against the spread for the, uh, year. That maybe are a lot of things that you wouldn't uh, tend to you know look at right. Tennessee, I would say that sixteen and one is really really above their head. I don't want to say above their head, but was a, a bit of a surprise. Yet you look at the market expectation, they're nine and five, um, and so like a team of Villanova, the market was obviously expecting them to be a little bit down early. Yet they've almost outperformed that. Um, a team like Arizona, fourteen and five, nine and seven ATS, um, and on through down the line. But there's certain teams that kind of you look at first and then assess the number second as at least a starting point when it comes to the uh, regular season of the NCAA?
1: Well, I I mean, as far as like in comparison to like trends, I, I think that's what you're trying to get at.
0: Yeah, just in terms of, you know, kind of who has just been so god-awful and who has been really outperforming, and again, Michigan State, Detroit, Oklahoma, Virginia, Ole Miss, Bowling Green, and Villanova, essentially the top seven or eight schools in the country, just their type of teams that you can look at and say the market isn't caught up or has caught up at this current point uh, is effectively the very, you know, infancy stages of the regular season, despite, you know, 20 or so games.
1: Well, it's it's hard. Um, It it is hard to sort of, like, continually fade a trend or, you know, like if you're like a team like Wyoming, right. Who's just been God awful against the spread and really pretty horrible performances, um, all year long from that team. But you know, Wyoming, I I don't know what you have for them, but I think they're like, they've, they've only covered like three spreads all year. Um, but I mean, you know, eventually like the market sort of starts to catch up. Right. So if you're, and this is why I'm not like a huge, huge trend better per se, because you know, if you're just like if you start today and you're like, oh, my God, this team's so bad. And you start betting, um, you know, against Wyoming, you're going to be laying a lot of points because the market has sort of adjusted. Right. They're they're pretty much, you know, they're catching double digits, you know, almost every single night. Um, And it is, you know, now that they're in Mountain West, they may not, you know, but. It, it just it, that to me it, it's kind of it can be tricky right you three have and 13
0: monitor. ats for wyoming
1: <laughs> yeah um you just have to be careful because you know if, if you're trying to continue think that that trend's going to keep continuing um you know it, you might end up getting bit pretty hard because you're gonna have to lay a lot of points to kind of keep going against that ats trend so i i i do when i do look at trends i kind of look for teams that like surprise me like oh wow like i had no idea that Clemson was five and 13 against the spread, um, you know, because it, Clemson, you know, I haven't done well in conference here to start, but they actually, you know, weren't having just a horrible year, especially if you look at, you know, some of the wins they had early on in the year. Um, maybe they had kind of some lucky breaks there, but, you know, that is a team when I looked at ATS trends um, just yesterday that I was kind of like surprised that they were as low as they were. Um, and the same thing goes for totals too. Like if you're a big total trend guy and you're looking at totals, you just have to know that, you know, this team that might be, you know, 15 and two to the over on the year, you just have to be very careful because you know, the market has adjusted to that where at the beginning of the year, they were catching a lot of like one fifties. Now they're catching a lot of high one fifties, low one sixties. So, um, you just have to be careful because you're not necessarily getting very good value with the team like that. Um, so you know, it's something to sort of look out for. But um, I, you know, I, I'm, I sort of am from a train of thought of kind of looking at trends and actually thinking, you know, law of averages, like there's probably going to be some regression on some of those, but it doesn't necessarily mean I, I fade some of those trends, but I'm just very selective when I'm looking at them. Um, You know, Bradley, I think, had covered like eight unders in a row. And then tonight their game went over by a mile. Yep. So, um, you know, you just have to kind of, you kind of have to keep an eye on, you know, some of those trends and be careful because you can very well get burned. If you're just betting trends, it's not That's a, not a safe way to live.
0: Thousand percent, man. And, and as we wrap this up, look, I, I kind of want your your broad uh, picture painting here for whether it be Ken Palm, whether it be, you know, I'm not expecting you to tell people how to create a, a power ranking system here, but for people that are looking to get into the sport from a regular season perspective, maybe for the first time or first um, taste of this prior to the NCAA tournament or even conference play, uh, what are some things people can do to kind of, you know, uh, not I don't want to say make mistakes, but at least to kind of uh, give themselves a little bit more of an edge when it comes to regular season um, predictions, regular season um, stuff to make smarter bets uh, and not have to wait till conference tournament where they think that, you know, this is when I have to bet. This is when I want to bet this. I mean, we're getting to a point here where after the Super Bowl, this is going to be, along with the NBA, the only thing on TV till uh, at least baseball season starts in April. Um so a lot of opportunity to be exploited here. Um, what would you kind of tell people as their starting point, kind of how do you uh, handicap the NCAA regular season?
1: Um, just, uh, I, I mean, I guess when, you know, when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at teams, you really want to be very cognizant of the situation that they're in. So, um, Always look ahead. Um, If you're before you invest in a play, like, you know, let's say, oh, like, I really like Virginia. They're playing at home, you know, look ahead, Like, Make sure like they're not playing at Durham in like two days. You know what I mean? Because, (laughs) Because situational spots sometimes can get stung where it's like, oh, this is a great situational or, you know, this is a great spot. I love this spot. But you have to look like, hey, like, are they playing like the number one team in their conference next week or like two days later at home? You know, is this a look ahead spot for them? Um, Really pay, you know, home court advantage is huge. Um, I, I, I feel like home court advantage in college basketball might be the biggest home court advantage you can get in all professional sports. Um, I just, you know, when you have, especially when you have big programs who, you know, have these massive student bodies that can fill out their stadiums and just be like a raucous crowd on a Thursday night when no one's really expecting it. Um, you know, I, have never seen anything like it. I mean, I, I, you know, I went to Colorado state and, you know, Colorado state obviously having a very down year, but, um, you know, that was a program that, uh, when Tim miles was coaching out here, we went like 33 and one in two seasons at home. And, um, we ended up making the tournament both years, but it, it wasn't, um, we weren't necessarily like a lock tournament team. You know what I mean? We did. We ended up getting in and at large situations both times, but um, you know, it was just uh, that team looked horrible on the road. Um, I, they would go to New Mexico. They'd go to UNLV. They'd go to San Diego state. We never would win there, but we would beat those teams at home every year. And, and so I just remember sitting there going to those games or watching them from home. And I was like, Colorado state is getting points at home against San Diego state. I'm taking this bet. I can't tell you how many times I cashed that because I knew that our student body was going to show up. It was going to be a pretty decent crowd. It was going to be loud. You know, a stadium that, you know, some of these kids have either never played in before. If they had a lot of freshmen or a young team, you know, they maybe only played inside that stadium one time. You know, you have to just sort of be aware of that, right? Where, um, kids can get caught in the gym like Vanderbilt's gym, right? Like Vanderbilt's gym is like built different than most gyms in the nation. And it, you know, the angles are weird in there. And I, I've even heard players talk about it after the game. I'm like, you know, it's, it's hard to play here. You know, the, the fans are right up to the edge of the, to the edge of the hardboard and, it, you know, and the, the lights are weird and the angles are weird and you see teams kind of shoot, not shoot very well. Right. And, Um, Vanderbilt coverage tonight against the number one team in the nation, right? At home. So um, you just have to sort of just be aware of those situational spots. Look into home court advantage a lot. You know, how are teams faring at home um, compared to the road? Just usually see huge splits there. So um, be careful of road chalk. Be very cognizant of road chalk. I mean, obviously, there's money to be made on road chalks every night, but, um, you know, picking your spots and being very careful in where you invest your money. And uh, get ready for conference tournaments, man.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. And again, last thing as I wrap this up, look, ATS. I'm going to just pick out a bunch of teams that I think fit this bill. Right, Bowling Green, eight and zero ATS at home, three and five on the road. Drake. Eight and one ATS at home, three and three on the road. So these are very real uh, types of of trends that that you're seeing here. Um, TCU uh, seven and three home, one and three ATS. So again, these are these are very much readily available stats, but just goes to prove. Home court, very, very real in the NCAA. And, and that'll kind of wrap things up, man. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Um, I want to kind of give you the floor to plug everything. Um, where People can find you, um, all your type of stuff. I know you give out bets, you have all that type of stuff, um, social media, all that type of stuff. Um, as you wrap this up, kind of the regular season primer uh, when it comes to maybe the only thing that will be available for people that don't want to invest in the NBA uh, up until Major League Baseball season kicks off. And I mean, there's a game in February, and then I think it's uh, basically April. So uh, people can find you uh, on social media and everything
1: yeah um it's at j career it's j a y k r i e r um you know obviously i post a lot of free plays and um just am always open to you know discussions about college basketball um you know and it's just sort of at this time of year that's pretty much the main focus you'll get from me outside of maybe a little bit of nfl talk um but you know in two weeks that'll kind of be it and uh you know if you if you see me ranting about the denver broncos or something just kind of put me on mute for a day or something and then and then uh, and then you know obviously take me off uh come saturday morning when we start talking college hoops so um but yeah uh, feel free to reach out um have any questions anything like that i'm i'm always open um to discuss with people and then obviously um there's links in my bio for subscription picks if anyone's interested
0: so. love it man and again see you soon for for the tournaments uh, and everything in las vegas man can't thank you enough for taking the time bro we'll talk soon
1: All right, man.